Oh, I got his ass now. My bottle got stretched a little bit. You have to be fast in the track. I'm, a, I'm about to light this shit up. We're back, baby. We're back in studio. We're back. Did you throw that little last one in there? I did throw the little applause in there. What'd you think? I liked it. It kind of caught me off guard. I was like, oh, here we come. And then boom, I heard some clapping. I was like, whoa. I know. Well, half of us are back in studio. Terry's half back. Terry's back. back in studio. James is like in like Nicaragua or something right now. Just, um, yeah, basically. I don't even, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> show, show I'm, over in, I'm over in Madagascar right now. <laughs> He's somewhere. I don't even know where he is. He just, ha- he just yeah. goes there. Canada, Canada goes, says, uh, cool. Where's the race? Yeah, yeah. Take me there. <laughs> Where's the race? Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, I'll do that one. Yeah, just get me there. Doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> show number 43, Bathurst recap. Lots to talk about today, James. Not so much race related, but lots to talk about today. Um, yeah. Brought to us be by... interesting having a recap with, uh, yeah, nothing to talk about, hey? It will. It will. Brought yeah. to us by ProGate Europe. Thanks to the ProGate Europe. Winning starts the great gate. Connor Fields had a hell of a gate in his first moto getting the win. How about that? How about that for a one lap uh, World Cup win? You know what? They don't ask how; they ask how many. Oh, exactly. Um, that has uh, that's got to be the biggest, you know, money for one single lap ever. For sure, for sure. Uh, yeah. Before we get started, thoughts and prayers with Kai and the Sakaki Bara family right now. Um, Kai obviously had a bad crash in the second turn in Bathurst and had to be airlifted out, and it was really scary. Yeah, this one, uh, it definitely hits a little close to home. I mean, I feel like we've had a few of these in the past couple of years now, and uh, to see another one of our our guys go down like that. It's tough. So, or yeah, thoughts and prayers are with them right now. It's a scary situation for sure. It was crazy. Like I was just talking to his dad um, before racing. He's such a nice guy. The whole family's so nice. And I was just talked to Kai, gave him a high five, whatever, before his lap. And then I was standing by the second turn and saw him crash and he wasn't moving. It was it made, it, honestly, I felt sick watching it. I literally felt sick in my stomach. It's, yeah, it's one of those things. I mean, uh, like you see it happen. And you feel helpless watching the person. Like there's nothing you can do, and it is. It's sickening to see. Um, and yeah, like like you said, they're such a nice family. They, I was at their place uh, at the beginning of January for a night, and they were. I think it was Kai actually. He was telling me the story about how the Japanese team were coming in for a UCI event, and they their hotel got messed up, something like that. And long story short, they ended up having like fifteen or twenty BMXers staying at their house, and because they had nowhere to stay, like cocky bars just let them in. Like they had to stay somewhere. So they just let them stay. And they had like, yeah, 15 or 20 people in their house staying there. And it's crazy, but it just shows how nice of a family they are to let that many people in. Yeah. That really shows what, um, them and their family are like and the type of people they are. Um, so, yeah. that, so obviously I've gotten some messages about how Kai's doing it. I haven't heard anything and you know, like all of us, we're just waiting to hear. So I guess what leads me to the Sylvan social media check-in is BMX Australia issued a press release. Did you see it? Uh, yeah, I just saw it before we came on air, actually, yeah. So I'll read it. Firstly, we'd like to thank everyone for the kind message. This is coming from his family. Firstly, we'd like yeah. to thank everyone for the kind messages, prayers, and thoughts regarding Kai. It's amazing to know he has touched so many people. This is a very good, difficult time for all of us, but we felt it is important to share what we know at this moment. We need you all to be with us and with Kai throughout the next weeks and months. As many of you are aware, Kai was involved in a serious racing accident on Saturday at the UCI BMX World Cup event in Bathurst. Medics and a doctor were on site and were able to manage the situation and provide support to assist with his breathing. They sedated Kai and he was airlifted by helicopter to Canberra. 
Um, Kai suffered a severe head injury, which will need time to settle before we have a more accurate understanding of his prognosis. An operation on Sunday morning relieved some pressure on his brain, and he's been placed in a medically induced coma to help his body relax. So he's described as being critical but stable, and obviously he's in really good hands. Australia has really good health care. Um, it also says that as a family, the best thing for them to do is to, is best thing for us to do is keep busy and continue doing everyday things. So please feel free to contact us as you normally would. So feel free people to post or, you know, message them and you're the, with well wishes and shower them with love because, uh, you know, one of our own is down right now. Yeah. And I'm sure that's a, it's a good thing to see online. Like there's so many people that are with you, with them and showing their support and, that's one way we can do it from around the world. Absolutely. So our well wishes to Kai and uh, yeah, sending love to him and his family. Yeah. So what a crazy weekend Bathurst was, hey? Yeah. No kidding. Where do we, actually, oh my gosh. First, first of all, let's, uh, we can talk about our Australia trip in general a little, I guess. Let's, let's hear it. I know you had a good trip. Yeah. Obviously after you went to Shepparton, you spent the week in Sydney, right? Tell us about that. How would that go? So yeah, we... Me and Rich went to, uh, we stayed in Bondi Beach for a day or three nights actually. And then went and saw, like we said on last podcast, we were hung out at the beach. And then um, I think the day after we recorded the last show, we went to Sydney. And so dude watched like probably 20K around Sydney, like just trying to see all the shit I could. <laughs> just take it like, all in all at once. It's one of those things, like it's one of the coolest cities in the world. Um, and then like one of my, you know, I might never go back there again. I'd like to think I would, but you never know, right? True. So true. I just, just want to see as much as I could. And then uh, Tuan came and joined us the last night. So that was really fun. And then, yeah, we drove to Bathurst. And uh, dude, I spent so much time in cafes in Bathurst. Honestly, is, it's like all you do there, right? Seriously, all you, the coffee. Here's the thing. Like at home, we either have good food or good coffee. There's not really places with both, but there everywhere has both. What a treat it is. Hey, we always talk about that. We're always like... Anthony's doing it right, like having a place with good coffee and good food. Because at home we don't get that. Just like you said, and it's like it's incredible how many different places have good coffee and good food here. I know. I so I really enjoyed my time in Australia. It was cool. Um, yeah. Glad I got to go see those beautiful sights. Um, and you know what? Obviously, everyone talks about how long of a trip it is to Australia, and it is. But dude, I it's still longer to Santiago del Estero. It's it's still way worse. There's so many more flights and like it just there's so much of a delay waiting in different airports. It sucks way more. Yeah, Dude, it was so easy the way home. So obviously it was like a three hour drive to Sydney from Bathurst, which is whatever. But then it's like I think I flew to San Francisco, then Vancouver, and I think it was like um, thirteen hours to San Francisco. And so it was pretty easy. I just got on, had dinner, watched uh, <laughs> watched Harry Potter, and then nice. Dude, I took <laughs> I took a sleeping pill, which are. I got, have them left over because I our team doctor prescribed them for me like before when I was in the national team or whatever. So I only took them while yeah. traveling. Let me tell you, dude, these things are like taking a horse tranquilizer. <laughs> someone <laughs> might just have, knock you right. Someone out, must hey. have, yeah, might as well have just shot me in the butt with a with a tranquilizer. Because seriously, I <laughs> I took it, went to sleep. Eight hours later, I woke up and looked at my watch. I slept eight hours through. Easy, both ways. No way. Easy, both ways. That's so nice. Hey? Yeah, <laughs> that's so nice. And so got to San Fran and obviously got home last night and. Um, dude, had such a busy day, did a bunch of stuff. I'm flying to San Diego tomorrow at 6 a.m. Seriously? Oh yeah. Travel travel continues, <laughs> just, bro. Just in and out. When you got a when I got a lady down in San Diego, you you know you're always on the road. You're always on the road. And so like I told you before we started uh talking, like this trip is long, but I never told my Santiago Del Estero travel back day story, did I? Yeah, we gotta hear this because I remember hearing a clip of it when you were, we were just chatting shit one day. You gotta tell the rest. Of okay, us here. so so you people think you got listen to, listen to this 
48, <laughs> listen to this 48 hours. I never told it. So, <laughs> so I think I left Del Estero Tuesday. Didn't we fly Tuesday morning? We're on the same flight to yeah. Buenos Aires. So I had to get home Wednesday morning for school. So Wednesday morning I had like, uh, I think I had a paper due in my English class. And then after that I had to write an exercise physiology exam. So that was super bitching. <laughs> so I left Tuesday morning, flew to Buenos Aires, did the airport switch. Then I had to go to Lima and then I flew to Toronto and then I flew Toronto, Vancouver. So that's just a heinous, <laughs> heinous trip in all in all. And so the problem was I was going to miss the first half of my English class. Cause I got home at like, I landed at say nine twenty AM and then my English class started at 10 30. So, or actually eight 30, something like that. So I was okay. only going to get there for the second half. Cause it's a three hour class and I had to hand in a paper. So I was thinking about phoning the prof from Peru being like, Oh, I, whatever give some excuse so I wouldn't lose marks on my paper. But I was like, no, I can't do that. It's too sketchy to phone from Peru. Like that's so weird. Like, I'm not going to do that. So then in Toronto, I was like, shit, what do I do? Cause I had it done. I just wasn't going to be at class on time. So I messaged, I emailed him and I was like, I got to come up with something. And I was like, yeah, I'm <laughs> I was like something beyond my control, like came up and I'm not gonna be able to make it to class, but here's my paper. It's finished. And it was like 6am in Toronto. So he's getting this email at like 3am. <laughs> so anyway, I got, I get a fly home and then I go straight. My, my parents picked me up. I go straight from the airport. My dad drops me off at school straight from a 48 hour trip home from Del Estero. <laughs> I walk into class still with like my backpack with my neck pillow and everything. Walk into class, hand in my paper and I'm in class for an hour and a half. And then my dad has to pick me up and I have to drive across I don't know, town 20 minutes to another campus and write an exercise physiology test. Still like with all my I don't know, my bag full of all my stuff and my airplane clothes for 48 hours. And so I, re I wrote the test, <laughs> <laughs> wrote the physiology test and then went home and just like showered and slept. <laughs> oh my God. That's, that's brutal. Pretty savage, eh? After all that travel, I would have felt gross. Like after all the travel, you can barely even just, I don't know, talk to people at home, let alone have to go to a class and write an exam. Yeah. You know, the physiology test wasn't like super easy either. Did you pass? Dude, I think I got like 80 something on it. I did really well. No way. Yeah, dude, I killed it. But then I, I <laughs> felt I had such a big headache. I was so tired. Dude, I can imagine. At that point, your brain is just fried from trying to like concentrate. I know. Anyway, I know that's not Australia, but it just got me thinking about that. I thought it was a funny story. Yeah, that's quite ridiculous. Um, but it makes the Australia trip seem like nothing. Dude, just seriously. Like two little flights and whatever. It was like, I didn't find it that long. I felt like it was a Europe trip. Yeah. I think the worst part about flying the different places is like having a, a pretty long flight and then having to deal with a layover, get on another long flight. Like that's the part that sucks. If you have like one big flight and then maybe just a short one after, it's not that bad. No, I know. I know. And I guess yeah. I also never shared after all that schooling. I got my uh, diploma in sports science last fall. Oh, hell yeah. Congrats. Yeah. Yeah. I told you that. But, uh, yeah, that's cool. So you're done now, right? Or yeah, I think I might it. finish the degree, but, um, uh, yeah, so I'm a sports sign. I'm not just the TV guy. I'm Terry, the sports scientist now. Terry TV and <laughs> Terry sports science. Oh, <laughs> uh, so yeah. Anyway, that was my, uh, my trip or whatever. How was, uh, how was yours? You took a little detour, didn't you? Yeah. So, uh, I, I learned about it on literally, I learned about the CCI race. Well, I knew about it before, but I wasn't planning to come here. Found out I was going to come to this race in Indonesia, like, a few days before the race in Bathurst. So booked some flights and uh, basically found my way here to Jakarta. So I'm here in Jakarta right now just waiting for the weekend because there's a couple C1 races this weekend that I'm going to do. Um, and yeah, it was uh, kind of weird because it was a last-minute decision to come. So I didn't really have my plans made to for hotel or transportation or yeah. whatever. 
So I got in touch with one of the organizers here and he basically told me like in previous, like previous trips I've made where I can buy a package where they'll help me out with the transportation, accommodation, whatever. But he didn't tell me where the hotel was. He didn't really tell me who was picking me up. So like right before my, my, my flight here, he sent me a message with the guy that was going to pick me up. And um, thankfully, the guy was there and he knew who I was because I didn't know who the guy was that was picking me up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so got me the, got to the hotel though and it was kind of funny. So I get here, I wake up the next morning and when you're in a place like Indonesia, like from, from Canada, obviously I'm not used to this country and the way they are. Yeah. So I kind of woke up and I didn't want to leave on my own, but there was no breakfast in the hotel and I kind of felt stranded. I was like, so what do I do? Is there a, is there a Starbucks close by? <laughs> <laughs> is there somewhere I can like walk for breakfast? And I was like, I didn't really know what to do. But thankfully, Tony, one of the Indonesian guys was here. And uh, he's like, hey, do you want to come out for breakfast with us? We're going to go for like a pedal and build my bike up quickly. Went with them. And uh, it just yeah, it's been good now. Just been hanging out with them, finding my way around. Haven't even ridden the track yet. Just been hanging out for two days here. That'll be fun. But I bet you're so stoked to come home too. Yeah, seriously, yeah. Like when I made the plan to come here, I knew I was going to be like a little tired or whatever. But since we didn't race in Bathurst, I was a little more okay with it. But now that I've already been here and I'm not like, I feel trapped, like I said, in this hotel room, I already can't wait to be home. Yeah, I bet. That'll be a cool weekend though. So, yeah, it'll be fun. Like I've come to Asia in the past, like I've probably come once a year for the past like three or four years just because I have a lot of fun. I mean, you can get some points out of it. You get to race and to just like experience new things up. <laughs> and uh so it's fun like i'm looking forward to like just racing somewhere new the track looks pretty good um different still but better than the last time i was in indonesia so that's a start <laughs> yeah, kiss some babies win some races that's the goal for the weekend i guess right oh uh, yeah pretty much you know the yeah. standard issue well, standard issue yeah. standard issue <laughs> um so yeah last weekend where do we even yeah where do we start with i don't, I don't really know where we start like just right from the time we got there, when we had the first practice, I think on Tuesday, shit was already seeming to hit the fan with the wind. <laughs> it was already like, really windy, wasn't it? Yeah, we showed up Tuesday, I remember, and we started practicing like our open practice. Yeah, and like the wind was going off. I think people were doing the third straight only, and they were getting a little wild. You have to be yeah. and then we started to go up the hill, and automatically everybody just went right to the small hill. I think. Jeez, no one even went up the eight meter. I think, oh, well, yeah, maybe they did, I think, and they started rolling. And then, of course, there was like the handful of guys that were just randomly sending the first jump, and everybody else was just gate to pull the brakes. Yeah. And so, the, tra- the track's on the side of a hill, like in the middle of farmland, kind of, so there's nothing to stop the wind. No, I think that's it. I think that is the problem where it's like it is on a hill, and all of across the road is just farmland that is probably just funneling wind towards the track. So then, obviously, we get to Saturday. And everyone knows it's windy. So didn't the UCI tell you guys on Friday that it might be on the five meter if it's really windy? I think so. I remember, like, I remember knowing at least that it was there was a good chance it was going to be off the five meter. So we had even was it Friday? I think even Friday we were practicing the small hill. Um, yeah, we were practicing the small hill on Friday, so we did know about that because I think on Friday it was wet and windy as well, of course. So we did know that. And then Saturday, I think they finally made the call that it was official. We were going off the five meter. Yeah. So they let you guys know beforehand, right? Yeah. I think there was still some confusion. I think there are a few riders that were still a little frustrated on the Friday because they still weren't sure if we were going to use it. Um, they were trying to wait for the wind and see. Right. Yeah. But we got we got an opportunity to ride both hills. And I thought they did a really good job at that. Like they allowed us to ride both hills. Um, get comfortable with both so that they could make the decision in the morning on Friday and let us just practice whatever we we're going to race on. Yeah. And or, cause yeah, it's in the, Saturday. yeah, Saturday. Yeah. Cause it's in the UCI rules that, 
uh, World Cup can run off an eight meter or five meter. So a track like this is actually really good for that because then they can do what they did. And so mm-hmm. like Saturday, we got to the track and um, you guys just rode the five meter because it was super windy. Yeah. So they basically, yeah, I, they said at the beginning of the day that the race is going to go off the five meter, right? Yeah, they did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we knew that from the get go. It was going to be five meter ham straights other than the, uh, the third straight because it really wasn't that big. Which is kind of crappy, but they really had no other option, I think. No. No, and that's the thing. It's like, I think there are a lot of people that were frustrated for sure. And obviously, there were some national teams that were not counting the race for, for points for their Olympic qualifying. And I think that's understandable. I do get that. But I think in this situation, there's, this is the exact reason and exact good reason why they, they put that uh, rule in place where they can go off the five meter because we had the opportunity to still race off of it. Because if we raced off the eight meter, we, it would be way too dangerous even for, I mean, if it was a little bit less windy. So, no, it was good that we were able to do that. Yeah, and obviously I wasn't racing there. But having raced a ton of Supercross races and World Cups and whatnot in really gnarly wind, like my opinion is that um, I probably would have done the same thing if I was the UCI. Like I would have probably moved the race to the five meter. And I don't think it was, like I don't think, I don't agree with people saying the race shouldn't have taken place at all because I think it was fine to race off the five meter in that in the wind that uh, was blowing at that point in time. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I agree with that too. I mean, I thought that was, I thought the decision they made was safe enough um, to allow us to race off that. Like, I didn't think we were in that much risk with the wind and riding off the five meter at all. So I thought that was a really good call they made. Yeah, and I watched a lot of guys racing. Um, a lot of them looked fine, to be honest. Like mm-hmm. no doubt, no, no doubt it was windy. Don't get me wrong, people. Mm-hmm. Like it was windy, but it wasn't so windy like Sunday or other races where they needed to cancel. In my opinion, like I think it was fine to race off the five meter at that point in time. Yeah, I agree. I, and I was one of the first rounds, and I think it was better the first rounds than the later. So maybe that's why uh, I like I feel the way I do. But like I was again a little bit of, a little bit blown on the second straight, and that was really it though. Like I felt I felt fine the rest of the lap, other than that, and. So I would have been okay if like we kept going in those conditions, but I do believe that after my races that the wind maybe started to pick up a little bit. Yeah. And after Kai crash, so Kai crash, he wasn't actually in the last one, the last rack. Yeah. And so obviously they had to get a helicopter in and the medics were attending to him. So the race had to be put on hold because they didn't have enough medics on the track to continue racing. And so I think yeah. that was like, I actually interviewed Kevin McCush after on Saturday after racing. And he said, I think that was one of the biggest issues why they had to call the race. Well, obviously Kai crashed and they had the medics run him. So they didn't have enough medics on the track, like I said, and then it did get windier. And so they had to wait mm-hmm. anyway. And then like all things considered, they decided to cancel the race from my understanding. Yeah. I listened to your interview actually too. And that, cause I was just curious what Kevin said yeah, as well. Yeah. And it makes sense. I mean, like when you have an incident like that, it does take your like your medical staff away from the track, so you do have to have a, a pause, right? Yeah. Um, and at that time, like you said, it did start to get windier. So, I mean, it seemed like it was they had to make the call at that point. Like, what are they supposed to do? Wait longer, and it gets even windier. It's like they already had the girls waiting for so long. The wind was picking up. They, I think they had to make that call. Yeah, yeah. And so, like all things considered, they canceled the race, and then obviously they took the lap times from the first round and paid points to those. What are your thoughts on that? Um, you know what? We, we talked about it a lot. I think, I think it kind of like, it's a bummer that results and points get awarded off that. But at the end of the day, when you've done a race like that, I think something needs to be awarded. So I, I understand why there's that rule and I'm, I'm okay with it. Um, but I, I do understand like it's, there's not, the people aren't going to be happy with it though. I understand no. that. But the thing is like, I think, 
here's the thing. It's a rule in the UC, it's a UCI rule that if you have a race and you have like a round complete or whatever, you award the points. And I understand why they have to have that rule because you really do have to have it in there. But it just seems mm-hmm. like so crappy that points are awarded after first round. Like I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, you know, because it doesn't seem it doesn't seem like you should pay out World Cup points and Olympic points to one moto. Um, yeah, so I don't, you almost think like maybe I don't really. Yeah, like I don't know if I agree with that. Like it's that's really tough. So I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily agree with that. That being said, it is the rule. So like, of course you're going to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. It's If you know the rules, you're going to understand it and like go for it. Yeah. But you're right. Maybe there could be a rule where it's like, you have to make it to at least quarterfinals to award points. I don't know. Yeah. And especially because the women didn't even get to race. Like I think, I feel like Saturday should just be a wash and just nothing should be awarded. Yeah, that's the hardest part, I think, right there. I know. People were really confused about where the girls didn't get to race, but the guys, we did get a full round in. So it's like, how does that work? I know. That was the tricky part, I think. And it is a rule. So technically, yeah, they awarded the points to the guys, which is following the rules. But just looking at it objectively, I feel like the best way would just be to wash it and just not like no points rewarded. You you did Mm -hmm. race the first round, but I don't think points should be awarded. Yeah. But it's tough. Like, yeah, Yeah. they follow the rules, you know, like what, what else are you supposed to do? Yeah, exactly. I think I think that Connor said in his interview, he was very smart about it. He he knew there was a, that was the rule. That's how it did work. He knew that there was a chance that racing was going to get canceled, and so he basically made the decision. He's like, I'm going to go to the line, try to get the fastest lap time, just in case that does happen. And and then it worked out for him at the end of the day, right? And that's something I want to touch on too. Like that's what champions do. And here's the thing: everyone knew the weather was bad, and everyone knew that it's likely going to get canceled at some point in time. So like I was yeah. putting myself in that situation. Like if I was a rider, like, yeah, the conditions suck. It's off the five meter, which sucks. You got to do the women's side, which sucks. But all that considered, you still got to go out and put the best lap um, you can out there. Like I, I think I told you before racing, like they're still paying points today, even though it doesn't feel like a big deal. They're still paying points. You just go out there and lay down the fastest lap you can get. You know, you might win it. You might get 10th, whatever. It doesn't matter, but you have to still go out, be professional and lay down the fastest lap you can. Yeah, no, straight up. Yeah, straight up, you really do. You got to be a professional about it. And I think a lot of riders let the conditions and everything get to them and complain about it and whatever. But you still got to go out and do the best lap you can, you know? <laughs> yeah, true. I, I think I anyway. I completely agree. Yeah. No, I completely agree with that because you're right. Points are being awarded. What are you going to do? Like everyone's in the same boat, whether you like it or not. Everybody's in that position. Yeah, it feels shitty, but like they still pay the same amount of yeah. points. And so yeah. guys like if you watch guys like Connor, Corbin, um, they handled it beautifully. They just went out, hammered their lap, and they're both on the podium. And I you know I didn't see Kai's yeah. lap, but I'm assuming he did the same thing, as well as I'm mm-hmm. sure all the guys in the top 10 and whatever did. And that's what you needed to do yeah. in a situation like that. Make the best of it and still approach it and hammer it. Yeah, straight up. Did you feel like there were some people that were getting... I felt like personally, I was. I felt like there was a lot of negativity from some riders towards the UCI and the decisions and whatnot. But I was kind of surprised. I didn't think we were that I, we thought it was handled pretty well, but there were still people that were very upset. Yeah. And so, yeah, no, I completely agree. And so the second day, like Sunday, um, they had a, they were going to start at like two and then they decided to wait and see if the wind would die down at by three and then it just kept getting worse. They ended up canceling it. And so yeah. looking at the whole weekend for people complaining, what the hell do you want them to do instead? I think the UCI and Luke, Oh, by the way, I didn't mention Luke Medill's coming on the show today. <laughs> why, why do we always forget? I don't know. <laughs> we just got into it. By the way, Luke Medill's our guest today. The new guy at the UCI who made some of the calls this weekend is coming on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but people, riders complaining, like, what do you want the UCI to do? I mean, I think, yeah. to be honest, the decisions they made, I would probably would have made the exact same ones. Like Saturday, they moved to the five meter for safety. They ran the first round. It got worse. They canceled it. Sunday, they waited for as long as they could to try and get a good weather window. It didn't happen, so they canceled mm-hmm. it. 
they were putting, I saw a lot of riders posting how they're not putting the rider's safety first. How are they not putting the rider's safety first? Yeah, I don't honestly, they did, they did everything they could to make sure we were safe, but at the same time, still try to get racing underway. They had to find the happy medium. They tried to. It didn't work out. They canceled. I literally think they did the best case scenario. And I saw people posting like, we haven't moved forward at all in these years. What the hell are you talking about? Like five years ago, we would have been running off the eight meter hill in that wind. Like we did in Sweden and all those other races. Like, what, yeah, are, you, what, yeah, are, you, honestly, what yeah. are you talking about? We haven't moved forward. We've moved completely forward. They've yeah. hired someone like Luke who looked at the situation, decided to cancel the race. That would have never happened five years ago, six years ago, whatever. We would have just sent it off the eight meter and it would have been insane. No, you look back at the race in 2015 in Sweden, the windiest, probably the windiest supercross race we've ever done. Oh, yeah. And they literally, you're basically like in the gate. There's a huge gust of wind. Everybody's like, wait, wait, wait. Okay, the wind's not going. Okay, run it, run it, be quick. And it's like, that was what we did then. But now it's like we actually have people in place saying, okay, it is windy. It's, I'm sure there's regulations of how windy it can be. Yep. And they're saying, okay, it's not safe, but it is safe enough to be off the five meter because your wheels are on the ground more, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, I completely agree. I know. And like, for instance, in Zolder that one year, they moved to the five meter without really any warning and, and virtually no practice. And this time around, yeah. they figured it might happen. So they gave everyone practice and gave everyone, gave everyone a warning and blah, blah, blah. So mm-hmm. how have we not moved forward as a sport? We've moved forward in great ways, I think, in regards yeah. to weather. 100% agree. I, I do think there, I heard some people, I think were a little bit upset about the communication side of things where maybe they weren't receiving enough communication about it. Um, I didn't feel that way, but that's maybe how other people, other people felt. I know from our st- standpoint, like we knew that, at least I knew from our coaches, from Adam and them telling us there was a chance we were running off the five meter, be ready. And of course, that's why we practiced it on Friday and raced on on Saturday. So I was fine with the communication. I thought it was good as well. Yeah, I didn't have an issue with communication. That being said, I, you know, I'm on the inside now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but yeah, like, I thought sure, that was fine too. Yeah. Yeah. I think like maybe people thought the communication was bad maybe on Saturday when all of a sudden racing was just kind of canceled, but there was no time to like communicate anything else. Like they were waiting and then all of a sudden they had to cancel. So they just canceled it. Like yeah, that's they, just how it goes. Yeah. They had to do it on the fly. Yeah. And I heard so. like um, I heard some teams were um, co- or contacting them as well. Uh, UCI Saturday night wanting a decision for Sunday by Saturday night. And it's like, what, why do you want to decide by Saturday night? You got to look at the conditions on Sunday. If you get a window, you're going to yeah. run it. So I don't really understand exactly. why teams wanted to have it decided the night before. That makes zero sense. No. When have we ever made a decision the night before? You no. have no idea how it's going to be the next day. No, exactly. So yeah, yeah that's kind of weird to be honest. Yeah, so that's one hell of a, well, Luke was thrown into one hell of a, a Dude, weekend there. Holy crap. Poor guy. Takes the job and his second weekend on the job, he's got this shit to deal with. <laughs> that's brutal, eh? Dude, I was like, what a nightmare for him. And I was, so I was laying in my room, whatever, Saturday night, just laying on my bed. And I was thinking to myself, if I was in Luke's position, I just got instant anxiety about it. Seriously, eh? Dude, this sounds, this sounds horrible being that guy because you're hearing it from everyone. Yeah, you got coaches in your ear, you got riders in your ear, and they're all telling you different things. You got some people that are saying, oh, you better cancel this, blah, blah, blah. You got other people that are saying, oh, you better make sure this race goes on because it's fine and we need the points. Like, you're getting so many different things told to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was talking to Freddie Villegas, and he suggested, like, what if they did, had something like Wednesday to Sunday, like, for instance, they had a block of time for every race, like Wednesday to Sunday, because everyone's there. And you look at the weather and say, okay, if it's good, we'll run wednesday and maybe friday or you might run thursday and sunday because i think he said or some i can't remember if he said or someone said they do that for surf competitions 
Um, really? And so that concept makes really good sense, I think. And so I had asked, uh, uh, me and Kevin were talking and I'd asked him like, what about that? Cause I, that sounded like a good idea to me, but it's not logistically like really easy. Like we think because they hire people mm -hmm. for certain days. So that means they have to hire them for all those days. And then like you might have them, it gets, it gets really complicated. So, you, know, you might have people working one day or not, and you can't tell them beforehand. Like it, it's not super easy to do either. No, I think that would be a, a little bit of a nightmare to have to organize. And in our sport, we don't have the budget for that kind of thing. I feel like either. Let's be real. I know. And so I think from the outside, it's really easy to say, oh, why don't people, why don't they do this? Why don't they have a rain day? Because, you know, or, or like a weather day, because that would make sense too, I think, to have an yeah. extra day. Um, we can ask Luke when he comes on, because he'll probably know yeah, more. Yeah. But I, I think that's the big question that a lot of people seem to ask even in the comments and whatnot was, yeah. why can't we have like one day after just in case? And But there's got to be a reason too. Like I'm sure with the TV schedule, money, everything there's got to be a reason why they don't it's funny people think the uci has never thought of these things a hundred percent they've thought about all of these things <laughs> they've like, been around long enough like, yeah like we think it's so easy but clearly there's i'm sure they've thought of all these things you think they haven't like i'm sure they have exactly i'm sure they have too and they're not just yeah sitting back and yeah doing nothing like they're, <laughs> they're constantly working on these things yeah yeah. Oh, what a situation though. Hey. Yeah. It's so, man, it's, it's at least we all went to Shepparton. So there was a legit world cup before this one got canceled. Cause can you imagine we all go to Australia and it's just Bathurst? Oh my gosh. That would have been awful. Dude, that just... would have been awful for everybody. And like the amount of money people paid, at least they got the, like the race out of it. Just straight up nightmare if that happened. Yeah. And the, yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's good for the city. I mean, the city didn't lose any money. They probably made more money off the amount of riders that were going to coffee shops when racing was canceled. The amount of flat white month, the amount of flat white cash they have. <laughs> dude, we that could pay for the whole event. Do we fuel that economy for the next decade? <laughs> <laughs> I think every rider probably had at least two a day. Dude, at least two a day. At least. At least yeah. two a day. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, so uh, funny. It's funny that you go there to the one coffee shop that everybody enjoyed the most. And it was just filled with BMXers all day long. No, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, get into our rants before we get into Luke. Yeah, we got to talk about the rants, about these damn, I'm going to call them keyboard warriors again, but also not up. keyboard warriors. Also just like everybody reporting, basically reporting the news of what's going on in BMX. <laughs> Dude, everyone posts the same thing. Due to weather, racing's been canceled. You go to the next photo. Due to weather, racing's been canceled. <laughs> <laughs> like I understand like everybody come on I understand everyone wants to like update their individual like fans and stuff but oh my god the insta scroll was terrible that day oh it was brutal especially because we're not doing anything that day we're literally just sitting having coffee being bored just chatting shit so every time you go on Instagram you see the same damn thing you just want to comment we know we get it <laughs> <laughs> but I guess to be fair they, they want to update their individual followers blah 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 that might not follow everyone else so exactly. I, I, that is why. I do get it. But just for us BMXers, it was getting so monotonous. Seriously. Yeah. Uh, brutal. Rant number two, people lighting up the BMX internet with negativity towards the UCI, Supercross, canceled race, all that, blah, blah, blah. Like people, everyone's doing their best. If you weren't there, Seriously. you don't really know the situation. Um, so let's, let's chill on the negativity. Okay. People, this, here's the thing. We yeah. think BM, this happens just to BMX. It doesn't happen just to BMX. Any sport that's exposed to the elements of weather, whether it be downhill skiing, surfing, whatever, like surfing competitions get canceled all the time. Yeah. Like this kind of stuff happens and it's horribly unfortunate that people travel all over the world and this happens, but I don't know, like what else are you going to do? 
Seriously, there's nothing else you can do, guys. We have good people in charge making educated decisions. They're not just, you know, just just making these random decisions just out of nowhere. Okay, they're calculated. They understand what the risks are. They understand what the winds are like. Okay, they're doing their best. 100%. Yeah, so let's yeah. chill on the negativity, people. BMX is an awesome sport. Put on a great show in Shepparton. Unfortunately, racing couldn't happen in Bathurst, and we move on. I know that's how, how it goes. Yeah, that's how the cookie crumbles, people. It is how the cookie crumbles. Um, yeah. Should we call up Luke Medill? Yeah, let's hear from, let's call up Luke. Let's hear about the weekend. Let's hear from his new role. Hear about that. Hear <laughs> about all the fun he had in Bathurst. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he had a warning. Oh, yeah, just so great. He probably hasn't <laughs> slept in like five, six days. No. <laughs> can, you, can you hear it ringing? I can hear it ringing. Okay, cool. Our new setup's good enough like oh, that that yeah. I get to hear it ringing too. Luke! Hello. How's it going? Hey guys, what's up? Good. Um, How you doing, Luke? Good, thanks. Good. Uh, when's the last time you slapped? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought I got over the weekend and then uh, you asked, I was sending you a message asking <laughs> to come on the show. So I was like, that's awesome. Yeah, he's probably like, man, these guys, that's the last thing I want to do is come on a show. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to talk about this anymore, guys. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a uh, psychologist appointment booked in for about an hour's time. Oh, perfect. Yeah, it sounds, sounds like the time is good for that. Yeah. Um, first of all, like, what's the, what's the, the, obviously, Yvonne was in the role before you, but congrats on your new role. Like, what's the, what's the title of it officially? Uh, so it's technical delegate. So, yeah, like, uh, Yvonne's been doing it for the last three or four years. And, uh, yeah, he stepped aside and um, been sort of in uh, different chats with Kevin around the role and seeing if we could make it work this year. So what exactly do you do as the technical delegate? Uh, so it revolves around a lot of things. So I guess the main one is um, around the, the track and making sure that the track is, I guess, the markings, the lines, and that when we first get there, making sure that, um, you know, there's no major things wrong with the track when we turn up. And then also when tracing starts, obviously the, the weather, things around that, if there's anything happening, like for the riders, um, that's not sort of working real well. Um, and then basically other things are just to set up and pull down at the start and the end of the event. Um, so how did it go in Shepparton as the, cause that was your first time doing it, I guess, right? Yeah. So that was the first one. And I mean, it was good. The fact that I knew the place, we'd obviously had a, a bunch of camps down there previously. Uh, I've raced there a few times myself. So I guess knowing, uh, knowing that side of it was pretty comfortable for me, but, uh, the other side of it and how UCI runs behind the scenes, obviously being a rider and also a team manager, you kind of, you get the flow of it, but actually seeing the mechanics of it, like, and, and I guess the timing and how structured everything is, it's, uh, it's actually pretty impressive to see all that. Yeah, it is. Like when I for, did the first rider's corner in Paris last year, I hadn't been exposed. Obviously I've always been a rider. I hadn't been exposed to the UCI and whatnot, but it's crazy how everything is planned down to the T, hey? Yeah, and that's and that's the thing. Like uh, when you're sort of talking about weather and just making changes and doing things. I mean, you you change the schedule by five minutes, and that changes the whole program. Like yeah, by yeah. about forty five so, minutes by the end of the day. So I mean, you know best with um with your riders' corner, just how much that throws everything out as well. Any change in schedule, it's like, oh my god, now I got to start over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> redo the whole plan, dude. Seriously, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then obviously you went to Bathurst. Um, so, so obviously you guys knew like going to Bathurst that the weather was going to be an issue. So like we were talking before we have had you on that, um, you guys let the, the riders ride the five meter hill on Friday, right? 
Yeah, so we kind of got a little bit of a heads up that the weather was going to, you know, obviously not be in favour of us. But again, being Bathurst, it's, it's kind of weird because what the weather can say, it can be kind of different being in those mountains there. It can swing either way. So um, we're trying to get prepared as much as we can for, for anything. But yeah, we just wanted to make sure that on the Friday, we knew the conditions weren't great. We knew that the, uh, that the conditions for the weekend weren't going to be, you know, that perfect either. So we just thought if we can give the riders the options to start off with straight away and, you know, make them feel a little bit more comfortable with the five and with the eight when they're, they're ready to go up there. Um, it was also trying to save us a little bit of time the next days as well. So if we only made them go off the eight um, and all of a sudden on the Saturday we said we're going to go off the five now, then, you know, you've got to try and have extra practice times and it probably would have created a little bit more tension um, than it already was. Yeah, because obviously we did that in Zolder for the Worlds before, and that's the last thing ever anyone wanted to do again was a, like a last-minute scramble on a five-meter when no one rode it. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's, it's always hard. You know, you guys know as riders, you want as much practice as you can, and um, having that little bit of freedom, I think, maybe um, released a little bit of tension, but James probably could, could give us that feedback more than anything. But um, yeah, the, the conditions were never going to be ideal and trying to, I guess, make everyone as comfortable as possible with the idea of the practice sessions. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was really smart what you guys did. Like having that ability to, to ride it the first day like you guys gave us was, it was good because I think we all kind of knew it was going to end up being off the five meter just the way things were turning. Um, but obviously we were still prepared right off the eight. But it, yeah, just literally having that one day beforehand to ride the five meter ride the gate it, it really does it makes like things so much more relaxed on on the actual race day when you ha- when you get told that you're riding off that hill that's for sure yeah and i mean we did get a bit of feedback saying you know why can't we just make the call now on the friday and um i guess it's always hard because you make that call too early and then the next day if the forecast is wrong or um if things need to change then you kind of um yeah you kind of set yourself up for failure straight away and also um, you know, the event organizers want to see um, a good, good show. And if we're kind of making calls too early that we're going to not going to go off the eight meter and things, it kind of it doesn't tick their boxes or make them feel happy either. No, you can't make it the day before because you have no idea what the weather's going to do the next day. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, but it's funny. We do get a lot of requests like that, even on the Saturday, like when all the hell broke loose. Um, a lot of the people <laughs> are saying, you know, let's just cancel Sunday. But it's just, yeah, you, you can't do that. No, it's like we were talking before you came on. Like, why do you want the race canceled Saturday night? You might get it a perfect day Sunday and then it's canceled. Like, yeah. why, why do you want to jump to conclusions? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and especially there, like that place, I mean, it, it was pretty spot on with the weather in the end, unfortunately. But we've been there before where it's saying, you know, there's supposed to be 40 kilometer winds and there's nothing, or it's supposed to be fine in the afternoon, it ends up being bad. So it's a very unpredictable place, which, um, yeah, it's kind of hard to map like that. Yeah, so obviously Friday gets completed with practice and then Saturday rolls around. What was the decision process like and, and all that on Saturday? Um, so, yeah, we obviously got there a little bit earlier just to inspect the track. The forecast that we had there looked like we had a small window um, of opportunity in the afternoon. It did say that there were storms coming um, later in the day and more rain in the afternoon and night. So um, we kind of went, okay, if it's going to go ahead, it's got to go ahead like we've got planned. Um, we decided after walking the track that the winds were already kind of up and they were only supposed to get stronger. So we decided just to, to call the five metre because if we thought, if we've got any chance of getting this event done, one, it's probably going to be better on the five metre because if we start off the eight and it gets a little bit breezier, it's hard for the girls, then um, it's probably going to get caught even, caught even earlier than it was. 
Um, and that's just not a decision for me, but we actually sit down with, um, you know, Kevin, the PCP, the, the event managers and, uh, everyone, uh, everyone's sort of included into it and including the media guys, because if there's going to be any changes, they need to be aware of that as well. So that was pretty much how it went down, uh, before racing started. And then obviously, so you guys start racing and then after the first round, like Kai goes down in the last, um, the last round. So like I was talking to Kevin in the rider's corner. He said, um, one of the reasons, I don't know if he said the, the reason or one of the reasons was because, um, all the medics were obviously with Kai and trying to get, um, his transport settled or sorted and everything. Like, was that the reason for the racing stop or was it the wind or a bit of, bit of both? Um, yeah, it was a bit of a snowball effect. So, um, obviously after practice, uh, you know, we decided to start racing and, I was trying to keep an eye on the weather as best as possible. Like that track being so big, it kind of has little pockets of um, wind gusts in different areas. So just trying to make sure that was under control. And um, I did actually make a call to Kevin probably halfway through round one saying, you know, and there is starting to be some slight changes. I think we're still okay. So, so we'll, um, uh, at that stage, to me, it looked like racing wasn't going too bad. There was a couple of crashes, but in my honest opinion, I think most of those were still just racing incidents. Um, and then we said pretty much we'll re reassess um, at the end of round one for the men. And then unfortunately, um, you know, Kai had that accident, which um, ended up being extremely serious. So that took every wall of medics off the track. And obviously the priority was Kai. Um, and in the meantime, uh, with that, uh, a lot of people didn't realize that Kai's dad was also uh, the event manager for the, for the whole weekend. So, not only, um, you know, did we lose all the medics off the track, we lost him, who was a big communication role for us to get information out and around. Um, and then when Kai's uh, accident, obviously, deemed was a lot more serious to the critical stage and the helicopter was coming in, we just couldn't get an exact answer on when racing would uh, proceed. And then in that time, obviously, the tension started to get a lot higher with riders and, you know, a lot of things started going around the pits around wind and, um all the levels were going off. I was getting hammered with different, you know, people saying, you know, we can keep riding, we can't. And it was a bit of a 50-50 call there. But then when I just did a quick assessment of the track, the, the, the gusts started swirling a lot more. It wasn't so so much they were strong. It was just that each part of the track was kind of throwing off different wind gusts in different directions. So I could understand from a rider's point of view, it was going to get pretty hard to read. Um, so I think it was just a combination of everything and then the fact that there was a, a lack of communication all around the whole event, and that's when we decided that um, things weren't looking good. And on the other side, they, um, the forecast was still saying those storms and bad weather were just about to hit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's like, yeah, it's crazy how much that just all snowballed into that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So a lot, I mean, a lot of people think we made the call just because um, Kai crashed and that wasn't, um, you know, that wasn't the case. We, we were going to reevaluate before the girls got out because obviously um, we wanted to make sure things were safe um, for them. But it was just, um, yeah, really unfortunate that Kai, you know, was in that last race and, and happened to crash at that time. Yeah. I, I think mean, we had a, what else are you going to do? <laughs> go, go ahead, James. Yeah. <laughs> I was just saying, I think we had a few people also ask like, when it comes to that decision and like you assessing the winds, like are there regu like regulations? Like if it's a certain, let's say it's 25 K winds, like is there a limit on what you guys think is okay? Or is it kind of just feel like you said, there was different parts in the track that were windier. Yeah, I guess it's feel that we do get a lot of questions around the regulations and we're trying to actually try and work out a, um, a perfect formula, formula for that. But as you know, every track different. 
um, when it comes mm-hmm. to crosswinds and the size of the jumps and, and how it affects. To me personally, I was trying to go off practice. Like I could see you guys, you know, weren't handling it too bad in practice. It obviously wasn't ideal. Um, so I was just trying to monitor if it was getting worse and how much worse because I knew the practice was pretty much borderline and if it started to creep up too much from then, that um, that was probably getting to the dangerous side. So that was kind of why um, I was trying to be a bit more discreet with the, uh, with the wind meter on Saturday and not having it out too much because it kind of causes more anxiety for people. But, um, yeah, that was my uh, interpretation of it was trying to do that. But um, we, we have spoken about in the past and we had a big team manage, managers meeting around that, around um, you know each facility trying to have their own safety protocols around wind and, and wind gusts and how it actually affects that specific track. Because as we said, you know, some tracks can handle a little bit more wind than others. So we don't want to sort of set a guide and say, you know, you have to stop racing at this point if some tracks uh, maybe differ a little bit. Yeah, that yeah. makes, that makes uh, good uh, sense, actually, yeah. Especially if you have, like, a head tailwind. It's a lot different than a sidewind, that's for sure, too. So, And I think, like... Yeah, I, definitely. I was just going to say, Luke, like, before... We were just talking before you came on, and um, I think at the beginning of racing, like, I would have, I think I would have made the same decisions you made. Honestly, like I, I would have had them go off the five meter cause it was windy at the beginning of racing, but I didn't think it was anything. The riders wouldn't be able to race in. I mean, we've raced in way worse before off the eight meter. So I think, yeah, it was windy and obviously the riders had to take care because, um, you could get blown around a little, but I don't think it was windy enough to cancel racing altogether. Like when you started racing on Saturday. Yeah, and like I said, that was our decision on the five meter was purely around one the the gusts were forecast to get worse. Um, we did want to try and obviously get a, a good event in and let everyone see a, a full event. So the five meter was definitely the the option. And I mean, the wind actually on Shepherd and the weekend before was it was stronger, but the the difference was it was a it was a head tail wind, so it didn't affect the riders as much. And obviously, the jumps on that track and the track itself wasn't as open and a little bit more mellow. So um, I think they're the, the things that we've got to look at when, you know, if we're going to move forward with some weather policies. Um, and then Sunday, obviously Sunday rolls around and then the schedule got changed because you guys thought the afternoon would be a better window. I think because racing was supposed to be in the morning, right? Yeah. So pretty much the forecast was staying pretty solid that uh, the morning was going to be terrible. It was supposed to be raining and, and 40, uh, 40 plus kilometer hour winds, which ended up being uh, what it was. So, uh, we made the decision to, to call it back straight away because the whole day looked horrible and the only chance we had was sort of late afternoon uh, into the night if it was going to happen. So um, we made that call early enough and the weather kind of was staying the same, but it just didn't drop off as much as we saw it. Like I was trying to monitor it as much as we could and even before we made the call, like I was, I couldn't even walk probably one whole straight without getting hit between 35 and 45k gust sidewinds. So... <laughs> Um, it, it was a pretty, it was a lot easier call that day. Um, I mean, it's never an easy call because you're always going to sort of piss the fans and, and other people off. But, um, I mean, it was, it was a lot more dangerous on that day, especially with the rain and everything else that was coming around. And then it was kind of one of those things I was, when we made the call, you're always waiting for all of a sudden the sun come out and just everything to, to calm down. But, um, a, a, a cup. A couple of hours, like probably not even an hour afterwards, I think everyone just about left and that place got smashed. Like we were getting hit with the highest winds and rain and everything. So it made me um, not feel great, but a little bit better on the call. Yeah, no kidding. Right after you guys canceled it, I was doing some interviews and I swear the whole riders corner almost got blown away. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think you guys, I think you guys made the right decision Sunday. Like what are you supposed to do? There's no way people could erase that day, you know? 
No, and we had like cut-off times too. Like we knew that if racing didn't get started by sort of three, four o'clock, that um, it's about a you know four or five hour program to to run through, and that's if you're just doing racing without all the, the interviews and the breaks and everything else. And um, uh, you know, a lot of people said there was lights there, but unfortunately, the lights weren't sufficient for the racing. So um, it, it probably would have been to the point where if we ran into the night, we would have had to have stopped at some point anyway. So. Um, yeah, I think everything was just kind of against us on the Sunday, but yeah, the conditions definitely turned worse and yeah, it just wasn't a, wasn't a fun day. No, yeah, <laughs> no, not, at all. not a fun weekend at all. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um, so one, no. one thing I want to ask you, so Saturday, obviously the men completed a first round and got awarded points and like, I know it has to be a rule and obviously the round was completed. So points were awarded and that's the rule and that's what you guys had notified their eyes about beforehand. So that's all fair. But just like looking at it objectively, like I don't, part, part of me is like, it should have just been a wash, like nothing recorded. But then the other part of me is like, well, it's in the rules. So you have to like, that's, that's what do you think about that? Yeah. And, and I know I, I agree. Like I think, um, you know, it's one of those things where it'd be great that the, the women didn't get to go. The men only got to go. A lot of the guys got a, were kind of chilling and not taking it too serious. So, yeah, I think it would have possibly looked better, but unfortunately, like you said, the rules are there. So, I mean, if they had have made that decision to wipe it, they would have been getting hammered by the US and Great Britain and everyone else who obviously got some right. some pretty decent points. So, I think it's definitely something, and it's um, it's something I'm not sure whether you guys mentioned or even knew that like, there was a massive team managers meeting on the Sunday morning before the whole um event, which uh, it actually turned out really good, and and that was something that was mentioned in there around. Um, you know, if rounds ends up and, and if World Cup rounds end up getting cancelled, is there a way of um, they understand there still needs to be a result, but can the points not be worth as much? So you know, can it go back to just being like a C one points or something like that? Huh? Yeah, I didn't hear about that. That's not a bad idea. Yeah, so no, it was actually um, it was actually pretty good. The um, the the team managers and um, Kevin, myself, and that we all got together on Sunday morning and we had a bigger. Uh, just a bit pretty big open discussion that was kind of we we're a bit skeptical of whether to do it at the start because usually those things can go downhill real fast <laughs> yeah. with everyone trying to yeah. throw their opinions but um to be honest it's probably the one thing that i took away of as a positive from the weekend like i'm obviously new to this role and i've been on the side of it as a writer and a team manager so i know it's easy just to throw your uh throw your scene and and kind of expect them to fix it but we sort of went around the table to every country that was there and everyone got to have their say on how we can actually improve this sport and move it forward and uh, to be honest that was there was a lot of positivity that come out of that that meeting and i think that saved um sunday a lot even though um you know everyone went went away depressed with how the racing went i think we can all say that hopefully if uh if we put some of these things into play that the sport's going to move forward I think, I think that's awesome. We, we were talking about that before where it seemed like there was a few people online that were just being a little bit negative about everything. But, I mean, what more can you ask for when you guys do stuff like that where you're starting to make the sport like even better moving forward, right? Yeah, 100%. And like people, some people were saying, oh, we haven't moved forward at all. And it's like, what are you talking about? Five years ago, we would have just ran the eight meter in that wind, you know? And now we actually <laughs> have adjustments where we go to the smaller hill or racing gets canceled. Like I think as a sport, we've, we've moved forward a lot. And this happens in every sport too, every outdoor sport. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it was even uh, I think it was Liam or, or Bloomy that mentioned that in the in the writers meeting. They were like, as a few people were saying, you know, the sport hasn't changed, and they're like, well, you know, you've only got to look at Baku um, not long ago, and that took the writers to sort of step in and and shut that down. And you know, we were able to kind of step in for the writers before this time. But 
Um, I mean, discussions in that meeting went through everything from that. Like it, it went as deep as saying, you know, are we preparing the riders good enough for these events? You know, is it the coaches? role to, to make sure they're ready for these wind conditions mentally and physically um, you know should we be letting the riders have more say is there some sort of um, you know poll or voting process that the riders vote on to see whether the, the race continues or not because obviously I mean there, there's a lot on the line for team managers riders everyone so um, I think at the end of the day the riders need to have a little bit of a voice as well because some team managers obviously need uh, need that result to, to keep their job and other things and and some riders need to get that result as well. So I think pressure comes into a lot in these weekends. And, um, you know, sometimes the wrong decision can be made just purely because of uh, you're not thinking about the safety and you think about other things. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah. What do you think? So I talked to Freddie Villegas and some other riders, and they were saying, because I think in surfing, like some when they have events, they sometimes have like – blocked off time from Wednesday to Sunday and they look at weather and be like, okay, you guys are going to compete Wednesday to Wednesday and Friday, or maybe you go Thursday and Sunday, or just in that f- kind of four or five day period, you just race whenever you can. Do you think that's feasible for BMX or have you guys thought about something like that? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I remember years ago, like even when I was still racing the world cups, I think they brought something like that in. Like they were telling team managers in countries like, you know, we, we have got a delay day, but I think that kind of just got um, left aside because it never really needed it. And I don't think a lot of people could afford it, but I think it's, it's again, something that was brought up in, in the team managers meeting, something that we need to look at. Um, I think it's obviously something that needs to be looked at carefully because um, the timing of it, obviously some countries get in a little bit later or earlier and um, obviously the expense of just staying an extra day, I'm seeing people with teams know that that's, you know, thousands of dollars extra with hotels and, and rental cars and stuff like that, not to mention the, the event organisers happen to happen to hire out the thing for longer, but I think it's definitely something if we can make it work, having, um, having weather days in our hand to be able to start either earlier or after is definitely something that will be looked at in the future. Yeah, yeah, because that's I think I, yeah. I saw a lot of things online about people saying stuff like that. Yeah, and I mean it's it's definitely worth it because um, a lot of people have probably stayed there, woke up like I did on on Monday morning to to clear skies and no wind in Bathurst. <laughs> yeah. <so it> was, <laughs> I know. I lo- I woke up I and like what was walking to the local cafe, and I was like, "You got to be kidding me!" <laughs> yeah, that's the curse of BMX, so, yeah. though. Hey. No, that's it. I mean, you can never, it's the weather, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you can never predict. But yeah, I mean, if we can come up with a whole bunch of different, um, I guess, uh, scenarios for different weather things and also rider safety and the rest of it, I think uh, I think moving forward, it's definitely going to be a lot. Obviously, this is a pretty tight year it's, um, with the Olympics coming around. So I'm not sure how much they can do in this shorter time, but I, I definitely know post uh Post-Olympics, I think there'll hopefully be a few rule changes and a few different things when it comes to these events. 100%. I think you guys have made, yeah, I think you guys have made a great start so far. I really liked how you guys, you know, made educated decisions. You made sure that the rider safety was, you know, at the forefront. And I think that was, that was great. Yeah, no, I didn't like when people were posting, oh, they're not putting the rider safety. I was like, what are you talking about? That's literally what they're doing. They literally put yeah. the right, like Luke and the rest of the UCI, you guys put the rider safety first. So I think, to be honest, if it's any consolation, I think I would have made the same decisions you made. Yeah, I mean, it's not easy because, uh, like I said, this year there's so many tensions and like between team managers and, and riders, there's some riders that are pretty safe and comfortable so they need to like, you know, risk being out there killing themselves. But then there's a lot of riders that, that need those points and they're fighting to get their country in. So 
Um, I guess for me, it's hard to, I like the writer's feedback, but then I've also got to try and look at that and think, you know, are they, are they genuinely concerned about the weather or are they more worried about their points? Like, is this dangerous? Uh, there's a whole lot, I guess, to consider. And like I said, with, with this time of year, those tensions are just so much higher. You can see it in the writers now. Um, already in the, in the early start of the year that, you know, as soon as something like this happens and I guess it's like anything, once there's one or two crashes and a couple of riders start to be a bit vocal, it kind of has that snowball effect of everyone in the pit starting talking whether they want to keep riding or not riding. So, yeah, it's definitely not a, not an easy one to work out. No. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, James, you got anything else before we, if we get into some quick, sh- quick shots, James, you got anything else for, for Luke? Uh, I had, well, one thing I was interested about, I, I didn't really care for the comments about this because I thought it was very different, but I had some people talk about, like, I think there was the um, the Australia BMX race that went on the Saturday night, um, and there was people commenting, like, if they race, why don't we, we race and blah, blah, blah. Do you know any information on that? Because my belief was, I mean, it's it's a little different for them. They're not going as fast. Their wheels are on the ground a little more. It's a little easier for them to run the race in those conditions compared to us. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, it was a, it was just a state round, so that was run by obviously a, a totally different, um, totally different group to us. So different officials, different everything. I mean, they did um, touch base with us before the Saturday. They started a little bit later, so um, the wind had dropped down a little bit. They were getting, they were having that event monitored, um, mm-hmm. and then I think they only had finals on Sunday morning but I mean to be honest I wasn't around there that much to to actually comment too much on that event um, but yeah it definitely yeah. wasn't um, it was definitely run by a different different lot of people so and yeah it was I guess a state round so they may have um, seen that it was a little bit safer for those guys yeah yeah fair enough just thought I'd throw that in there James any other quick shots you want to read off or um, yeah let's look through here we had a few questions for you Luke Tori, you got any? Mm, I mean, not really. <laughs> it's you. <laughs> All of that. We had we had so many questions asking us just about the things we talked yeah, about. Pretty much just the reasons why they got canceled. Pretty and much what we kind of the. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, one person asked, "Do you think lost Australia like uh, Hollywood BMX nineteen? Do you think Australia's lost a chance to ever host uh, another Supercross?" Um, I don't think so. I think if anything, it's probably they probably learnt more from it. So I guess it's easy to look at a, at a negative way like that. But I think it's given them um, a lot more information now around uh, you know weather, around events, around uh, a lot of things. And then hopefully the the UCI can also help them um, out in the future. I'd hate to think that you know something that's out of their hands could um, could stop them from coming back to, to something like this. And even if it comes down to the track, I know there's been some. Um, there's been some suggestions around the track. The good thing about those two clubs is that, um, you know, the clubs love the sport and they try and do anything they can to improve their track. So, you know, if we give them any feedback, I guarantee that they'll go out and make the changes. Yeah. And I mean, to be honest, Shepparton was really good. Like it was a good turnout there. The atmosphere was sick. The racing was awesome. That event was really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and I think it was a good start to the year. I mean, the track was kind of a little bit tighter and made racing a little bit more exciting. Sure, yeah. Like, yeah, uh, you know, the track wasn't obviously... Um, perfect, like no track is, but I think it was definitely a, a good start to the season. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, right on. James. Well, it's good to hear, good to hear the kind of the backstory of that. <laughs> I think there was a lot of people that really had no idea what was going on and they were just, you know, keyboard warring their two cents online. 
Yeah, like always. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think I think that's the one thing with the riders. Too. Like, I, I get that they get frustrated and they want to, um, you know, vent through social media and stuff. Like, to be honest, I'd rather them just come up to me and 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 vent through me rather than than take it under social media because I think it only hurts the sport in the long run. Like, if we've got sponsors or people, you know, wanting to come on board and look at this, and we can just just see people bagging it, I think it only affects us more. So. Um, hopefully they can start to find some, some more positive and co- positive comments to say. But, I mean, I get their frustration. But, yeah, if they can kind of leave it off social media, I think it's going to help us forward a lot more long term. No, totally agree. Totally yeah. agree. What, hey, what rider or coach was in your ear the most all weekend? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we always know that Graf's going to be uh, the, the leader know. when it comes to, <laughs> to, to, to vocals. But, you know, it's... It, in all honesty, like um, I have to give respect to, to a lot of the riders and and even the team managers. Like uh, they understood my position that it was a, a really shitty one to, to be in, but um, you know they definitely told me how they felt. But at the same time, they you know they did it in a way where I could feel that um, you know they felt sorry for my position, but also you know what the hell are you going to do at the same time? So it was yeah, um, yeah. it was a good it was a good uh, good learning curve for me. But yeah, definitely no one overstepped the mark. Awesome. Yeah. Well, man, honestly, really good job. I think you handled the situation really well. And like I said, I, I think I would have done the same thing. So thanks a lot for, for putting the, the rider's safety first. And I hopefully, hopefully in Manchester, it's a little bit easier. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm actually, I'm actually looking forward to Manchester. Like that's going to, uh, unless the roof falls down or something, I think we're, we're pretty, uh, we're pretty safe there, but I mean, it's always, it's always going to come down to. I mean, I, I didn't. I didn't know what sort of a job I did, so it's been great to hear some of the positive comments. But I'm sure there's probably going to be weekends where um, I do piss some people off and maybe not make the call that they want to hear. Um, I mean, Papandale is always an interesting place to go. So, um, but hopefully, yeah, we can we can just look at some weather protocols that helps everyone out long term. Yeah, man, Manchester's going to feel like a vacation indoor. <laughs> yeah, I just, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna sit in the stands and watch some racing. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for coming on, man. I think I think it'll be really good for people to hear. Um, yeah, people to hear it coming from you, and I think they'll understand it a bit better. No, no, thanks for having me, and um, yeah, thanks for uh, what you guys are doing too. It's getting a lot of messages out there. Yeah, cool, man. We'll take care, and uh, we'll see you soon. All right, bye, guys. Thanks, Luke. Appreciate it. See ya. Luke Medill, that was awesome. Luke Medill, everybody, that was great. It was really good to hear the backstory of like the decisions. Like I said, um, I think even us, like I know we were talking about it, but like just to confirm that you know they were making those educated decisions and whatnot. It's it's good to hear. No, it's it's really good to hear, and they're constantly working on ways to make it better and stuff. They really are. Like they don't. It's not like they're just over there not giving a shit and not trying. Like they're doing everything yeah. they can to, <laughs> to do as as best they can for the riders. They they really are. Hey, seriously, yeah, like. I didn't really know what went on in that meeting on Sunday morning. So to hear that they were kind of discussing those different options moving forward, I think that's that's the best thing you can do. Having someone like Luke in that job, I think is really good too, because he, he's experienced so much as a rider because he grew up without Supercross and he raced Supercross, went to the Olympics. Like he's kind of seen the whole spectrum, you know? Yeah, he has. Hey? And he seems like a very, very calm guy as well. Um, so he's not going to get flustered with people coming up to him all the time like they were. No, and like I saw, like he was he was getting it from a lot of places. Some like at <laughs> at one point in time on Saturday, and he was still just calm and was like hearing what they said and was like, okay, yeah, no, I get it. And he was he's handled the situation really calmly and as best you can. Yeah, I think that's awesome. 
Really yeah. good. Like you, you need someone yeah. with a calm demeanor in that. You can't have a hothead or someone who's going to like fire back. Oh. <laughs> like it's, it's not going to oh, work. Definitely not. No, because no. that's just going to turn bad for everybody. I know. And so, yeah, like I said, having a, I think a rider in that role, an ex-rider is best case scenario for all of us. Mm-hmm. So yeah, very cool to hear. We're on to Manchester. Yeah, on to Manchester now. We got we got a little bit of a break now before the next World Cup. But yeah, like you said, man, it's going to be a breeze going there with the roof and a, you know in the building. I know. I just, Luke's going to be on vacation in Manchester. Just going to sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Seriously, yeah. Um, <laughs> so a, uh, ABA Pro season opener this season or this weekend, Phoenix. Oh yeah, you got any predictions? Or USA BMX. It's kind of funny because I think the World Cup starts so early. It feels kind of weird to say the USA BMX season opener because usually there's a lot of hype going into Phoenix and Oldsmar. But we already raced World yeah, Cup. Normally, normally, it's the big first race of the year. Johnny Holshot and Corbin are going. I bet Corbin wins. I'm sure Connor's going too. You think Connor's going? No, he's not. Okay, well, I'm pretty sure Joris is going. Yeah. Is, is he going? So, first, is he? Okay. I think, I, I think from what I thought, that was going to be his first race back. Well, Corbin, Corbin's fast everywhere, but since we were kids, he's always been really fast in the desert. I don't know if it's because he obviously grew up in Arizona and he feels just maybe comfortable, but anytime we had races in the desert, he was always extra fast. Yeah, no, I could, I could see that. Yeah, so I think... Uh, I think I think Johnny Holshaw will be fast. Yeah, he's always fast in Phoenix too. Yeah, he loves that place. Um, I think Yeah, I think Corby wins today. You think so? Okay. Yeah, I think Corby wins I don't today. really know who else is going, so it's hard to make predictions, you know? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. But... Um, so. Johnny Holshot, he could do well. I mean, he'll put it in the main. He might be getting the box. I think so. I think he really could. He's a he's a first straight killer, right? Connor's not. Going. He says it's his second fav- favorite race of the year. That so. in the grand. Yeah, he's going to be like eighty-five years old, wheeling an IV cart with him, and still race the grands. <laughs> he's been getting the <laughs> ga- getting the yeah, gate. He's not leaving <laughs> with an oxygen mask and IV drip, and he's like, "All right, boys, let's go." <laughs> <laughs> Hold an oxygen tank, boy. Seriously, gonna he's going to go no matter here. what. That's so funny. Um, Honestly, I, I really love the Phoenix track for a small old ABA track, like one of the originals. I think it's still it's probably one of the best original ABA tracks. I agree. I think that's last couple of years that was my f- non Supercross favorite ABA race or USA BMX race. Yeah, hundred percent felt the same. Yeah, because it's like an old school one, but it's really fun, and I don't know. Yeah, it's cool. I like that one. Yeah, and even the dirt turns, they still worked really well. They were well banked. You could still carve around them or go low. It just worked. And I think you can actually pass on that track too. Yeah, you, you kind of have to drive it in there, I think, after the first and second straight, but like to make that pass. But it's like the good rhythm section down the fourth straight really allows for you like to make an extra pass if you need. It's got a long first straight too. Yeah, that's it's, fun, and that makes yeah with that little dog leg, it makes picks interesting too. <laughs> it's the only race where the last pick gets lane one. <laughs> yeah, honestly though, well, yeah. Also, because the gate's kind of fucked up on the inside too. Like you drop off that the metal grate, I think, in one, don't you? Um. I can't remember. Maybe a little bit. Yeah, I always felt like um, I did. I think in lane, like lane one's not good. And then after the first jump, you don't even have a lane anymore. No, exactly. And the worst part about lane one is you got the kids literally a foot away from your handlebar on the fence line, just, you know, staring at you or like cheering for the rider next to you. Like, I know. And like Johnny, like Johnny said, you're standing in lane one and all of a sudden the kids beside just talking to his buddy and he goes, I got Connor. Seriously. Like the kid, if you're, if you're in lane one, a kid, the kids are about like one foot from you and like, who do you got? Who do you got? I got Connor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so funny. La- last time I raced there, I was really pulling and I was winning my lap. So I had first lane choice in the quarter and semi and whatnot. I was picking lane mm-hmm. five because it's a direct line of the turn and you got like, because it's an old school gate, you got more room between lane four and five there than all the other lanes because the, 
with the ram, the you, ram have, yeah. you have it, it, probably an extra foot. So you got way more room in five, plus it's direct line to the turn. Yeah, no, that's smart there, I think. Yeah, I think every time people pick, they're always going four or five or six there. I think those are the best, yeah. Yeah. And you don't want inside. You're getting, you're not, yeah, you're getting cut off probably on the inside. Yeah. No, it's longer to the first turn, and then you're just getting screwed when people chop you. Watch people just start picking five now. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell you you know if it's someone's first year in phoenix like a euro or something that comes over and they pick lane one in like a quarter or something yeah, with first pick then you know it's their first time in phoenix yeah they don't know you're just like okay nice job bro I'll okay just, i'll take the good i'll get good lane five. Oh, like that's cute <laughs> <laughs> that's cute that's cute i remember my first time in phoenix oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's costing i'm kind of bummed i'm missing it now i know right you gotta i mean you gotta like you know do some shit in indonesia or wherever you are where are you again indonesia uh-huh. Yeah, I'm in Jakarta. That's that's sweet. Yeah, let me tell you, I've had I've had fried rice for one, two, I've had fried rice for three of my four meals so far. Well, I'm going to San Diego tomorrow for two weeks. I'm going to play a <laughs> shit ton of golf. <laughs> Just catch you on the range every day. Dude, actually, I'm going to do some training first. I'm not going to play golf right away because I need to work out a few kinks in my swing. I was hitting a lot of pull hooks in, in Phoenix, so I need to sort some things out, and then I'm just going to light up the course. You just got to touch up on your to short game too, up. right? Absolutely. I'm about to light this shit That's going to be me before the next round. <laughs> Did you watch all Phil's, uh, Phil's short game videos lately? Oh, yeah, dude. He was, take some notes. He's hitting it all over the place this past weekend. He is a legend. The amount of like, times he saves par Phil, Phil or Mickelson or even saves bogey. Phil Mickelson, we were talking about here, people. Yeah, they, they have no idea who that is. His short like The way he recovered from bad shots on Saturday was nothing short of Dumbledore wizardry. <laughs> like dude he was like 40 yards off the greens at some places and would yeah ne- ne- people probably turn the podcast off but just go watch phil mickelson pebble beach saturday he's a legend okay yeah, guys he is he is yeah he's a legend uh, anything else before you wrap up this one up no i think that's about it i think um we're probably gonna take a take a week off next week probably going to finally try to get old Corby Delastero onto the podcast in the coming weeks. So our ideal plan, people, is we're going to take next week off and then the following week when we're both back in studio, we want to get Corby on. Yeah, that is the plan. If you if you watch the uh, Chatter TV from Shepparton, you guys know we asked him about it and he said he would still come on. So we're going to try to get him on. Oh, we forgot to say a new Chatter TV is out. Uh, people have probably already put the podcast off. So that's cool. But for those of you loyal people that have listened until now, we got a new Chatter TV out. <laughs> uh, us and 15 BMX both posted about it. And uh, it's on YouTube. It's, it's pretty good, actually, I think. I think the little Insta teaser, like you said, that 15 BMX made, it was sick. Dude, low-key. We just copied it and put they, it on ours, but like it, it was awesome. They put out an absolute banger of an Insta edit. It was sick. Yeah, so head over to 15 BMX and watch the new Chatter TV. Or if you're on YouTube, you can watch it on YouTube as well. On our What's our channel called? Coffee Chatter? Chatter. Uh, yeah, coffee chatter. Coffee chatter yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it was some other name or whatever. James James is the YouTube guy. Yeah, I'm the YouTube guy. So if you have any mistakes, you can just get mad at me. No, it's a good one. It's a good one. Um, yeah. Oh, saw one guy commented about the mic. He said the sound quality was bad. It's like, well, dude, what do you expect? It's golf ball mic. Yeah, come on. I I do have a plan to make it better, but like, come on, what do you expect? We're a janky show, okay? Yeah, dude, what do you expect, bro? It's a golf ball mic. Like, it's wind. It's like sixty yeah. k wind, cold, and it's a golf ball mic. What do What do you want from us? <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, I could only hear five percent of it. It's like, dude, you couldn't only hear five fucking percent of it. You could You could hear it fine. Okay. Some of it was just a little like, whatever. You maybe missed five words. Seriously, okay, like, on. yeah, I've watched. It's It's fine, bro. It's not like great, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's part of our charm, okay? It's I know. Makes us who we are. 
I'm going to make it better for next time. I already have an idea though. So it's okay. Well, they're fun. Those are fun to do though. It's funny. You just get to chat shit, have make jokes and you, like, uh, I don't know. We just get a little more behind the scenes action. I got some good feedback on that. Um, clip I posted with Connor too on my Instagram. A lot of people liked that. Oh, that was one. hilarious. I know. A lot, that was like, so funny. a lot of people liked that. One. I thought it was pretty funny. Because yeah, it's just, just it, like, you don't talk much. Yep. Because it's just like me and Connor <laughs> raw too, just like fucking around, you know? Like it's nothing polished. Yeah, not like you do in everyday life. No, that's literally like my sense of humor is just dry sarcasm like in everyday life. And that's the way yeah. like me and Connor would kind of whatever interact. So I don't know. I think that kind of stuff's fun and I think it's cool for people to see. Yeah. Yeah. I agree too. So I hope you guys like it. Enjoy I was, th- it. yeah, I was thinking like a lot, like obviously we interview a lot of, um, top BMXers and stuff. And I think it's cool for people to see them because it's us, you know, it's like chill, like mm-hmm. us interviewing them. Like they're really, it's just like us talking to them without a camera or whatever. So I think it's cool for people to get to know, like the unpolished, like Brooke and Nick and Connor, you know, like I, they get to know the yeah. riders a bit better. Yeah, totally. It's like, it's who they are. It's not those, the big interviews for like BMX live to you where they have to be a little more professional and yeah. whatnot. You know, this is just like a little more raw, like you said. And cause it, they're all our, um, our friends. We know them, but a lot of people like the personalities in BMX, like all our friends, they're all really cool people. Like all the people we talk to are all our friends in BMX. Like all the riders are such cool people. Like I want people to know them better, you know? Seriously, we got some great people on our support. That's for sure. Yeah, like really cool personalities and just awesome people. So yeah, that's mm-hmm. I mean that's a big reason why we do it, and it's fun. Yeah, it is. It's really fun too. Yeah, and it's just fun to hold a golf ball mic taped to an answer BMX grip. Yeah, I mean, why not, right? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, good show. Thanks to Luke Medill. Thanks to ProGate Europe. We forgot to mention them at the end of the last show, so we'll mention them twice. Thanks ProGate Europe. God, their gates are Winning's- good. Winning starts with a great gate. Winning starts with a great gate. There you go, twice in. How good are their gates? Seriously. <laughs> you know what? They're fantastic. I liked on the weekend how they uh, they had an older ram for the five meter. So what they did was they took the ram from the supercross and they put it on the five meter for racing. And then they bought or they brought a new ram for the eight meter just in case. That's what I'm talking that's about. That's what I'm talking about. Seriously. Yeah, that's uh, what I'm talking about. I think the UCI needs to buy a new ram from ProGate every year and bring that to the races for the event. That's I, think, I don't think they do that, but I, that's what if they... Oh, I thought they did that. Or Jan just goes in and makes sure it's firing properly. I think, yeah, they just make sure it's firing properly. But like, if they had like just a brand new RAM every year that there was theirs, so no matter what, it was already set to what they needed to do, I think that's what they should do. Yeah, if they don't do that already, that'd be good. Um, we got to yeah. catch up with Jan and his lovely wife in Shepparton. It was good to see Jan Skippers. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah, Long-time cool. supporters of the show. Yeah, I always like I always like seeing him and talking at the races. He's a cool guy. Yeah, he's really nice. Yeah, really, really nice. cool. Awesome, awesome family. Yeah. Um, so yeah, thanks everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll, uh, you know, go us. Go us. <laughs> go us. Seriously. All right. Uh, I'm so glad we'll be back in studio. I know. All right. Till next time, chatter fans. Thanks, people. Bye. Yeah, well, what's this friggin' podcast all about? I don't get it, man. Coffee chatter?